You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. It is Friday, November 10th, and we're talking Astros baseball today with Brian McTaggart, our Astros reporter for MLB.com. Not just the Astros, but the world champion Astros. Uh, That certainly has a a good sound, a good feel to it, and I'm sure Astros fans feel the same. So, Brian, uh, we appreciate you joining us today on this Friday. Just want to get your thoughts on uh, how great Astros fans and players, obviously, are feeling these days as they are atop the baseball world for 2017, but... Unfortunately, uh, the place I want to start uh, today's discussion is uh, a sad place. Uh, obviously, the passing of Roy Halladay uh, just days ago at the age of 40. Uh, still so young, still so much uh, life in front of him, and a life uh, tragically cut short. Uh, the two-time former Cy Young winner uh, had the perfect game, had the postseason no-hitter all in the same year back in 2010. And, Brian, the thing that uh, you know sticks out to me for as accomplished uh, as he was as a pitcher – a lot of the memories and remembrances of Roy Halladay deal with him as just a person, as the wonderful husband he was, the wonderful father to two kids. And, yes, you know, you, you go over the accolades and you appreciate what he did as an athlete, as a competitor, but so many people have just, like I said, share their memories of him as a person. And to see what a great person he was, this makes this, you know, hurt even more. What are some of your memories of Roy Halladay? Yeah, you know, it's one of those cases where – all the, all the outpouring you hear about what a great guy he was, I mean, it's all true. You know, you hear that a lot when somebody notable passes away. And, um, you know, I never had a chance to deal with him on a, a one-on-one level, did in, in group settings several times, um, covered the 2011 um, NLDS Cardinals-Phillies, which was a great series. Chris Carpenter beating uh, um, Roy in Game 5. Just a great game, one nothing. Two guys who came up together with the, the Blue Jays were tutored by Roger Clemens. So it's just one of those things that just uh, punches you in the, in the gut. And so many, so many pitchers of this generation, and, and that he uh, even that he played with, like Roy Oswalt, um, you know, Justin Verlander. Those are guys who styled themselves after uh, after Halliday and, and admired admired what he did, and, and just the stamina and and his ability to, to go deep in games and compete. And what struck me is there were so many stories about how guys would show up for spring training um, in the morning and he had already been working out or they were leaving spring training and he said, no, I have to get a workout in. It seemed like he was absolutely the first guy there, the last guy to leave, and he worked hard for, for everything he had and gave a lot back to the community too. I know he, he coached some youth teams. So um, it, it's a loss in, in a lot of different ways, but – you know, no, no way more so than his family and friends. Yeah, of course. Uh, his legacy, uh, you know, goes beyond uh, what he accomplished on the mound. His legacy, as you said, was in mentoring uh, youngsters and, and showing people the way and uh, helping those who were struggling as he once struggled quite mightily as a young Toronto Blue Jay, and he was so giving and so helpful. And, again, I think we all share the same sentiment that this is just a tremendously painful, uh, sad loss, uh, not just for baseball but for the world of sports as well. Uh, well, Brian, you brought up one guy that was uh, heavily influenced uh, by Roy Halladay, and that was none other than Justin Verlander, who is now 
a world champion in his uh, third attempt at the Fall Classic. He gets his first ring as a member of the, like I said, world champion Astros. And, Brian, it's been a, a busy month uh, for you uh, going all the way to the, the bitter end of the uh, Major League Baseball season, Game 7 of the World Series, and it had a happy ending for the Astros, obviously, with the parade in Houston last week. And, you know, now that the dust is settled and everybody can begin to catch their breath a little bit, as you sit back and you look back at this whole journey, you know, what's – What's the first thing or first couple things that, that pop into your head, I guess? Yeah, well, what, what really pops in my head is just how, how, how hard it is to win a World Series. I mean, the Astros were a great team. There's no doubt Dodgers were a great team. Um, and they go to Game 7, and basically a couple swings of the bat change the whole season, the whole offseason for both these franchises. I mean, um, you know, going into last Wednesday – they both had a chance to win and the Astros winning, it changes everything. They're the one with the parade. They're the one all over the magazines on the talk show circuits. And it's just because of one game, you play all this, all this, all this time to get down to that one game, you know, whatever, however many games they played, uh, I guess they played another uh, uh, 18, 19 games to, to get to where they're at. And it's just, it just shows you how hard it is. I mean, you can be the most talented team in baseball and you can get to the world series and nothing is guaranteed. I mean, you have to have a lot of things go your way, um, but I mean, the Astros were, were a talented team and, you know, uh, the other thing that sticks out is, is Verlander, you know, they don't get here without Verlander. I mean, they don't get here without a lot of guys, but the fact that they made that trade in at the last minute in late August, they don't do that and they're not here. And, uh, you know, who knows how far they get? I mean, maybe they make it pretty far, but, um, as, as clutch as he was for them, then it was, uh, that turned out to be a huge moment in their history on that August 31st night when they made that trade for Justin Verlander. Yeah, not just uh, minutes to spare, but from what we're hearing, uh, literally seconds. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the paperwork came in to approve the trade. And, uh, Brian, that brings up an interesting point I want to get your take on. You know, when the July 31st trade deadline passed and the Astros didn't do a whole heck of a lot, Dallas Keuchel is the one I most recall as being the most vocal yep. about his disappointment with their front office. You know, he basically said, look, we've got a great team here. We still need some pieces, but, you know, we're in a position to, to finally go for it, and we basically do nothing. Well, a month passes, August 31st, obviously, you know, the next date, uh, and Justin Verlander ends up being a member of the team as of September 1st. But going back, if Dallas Keuchel is not that vocal and does not put himself out there and expressing his disappointment, are the Astros world champs right now? You know, I don't know. I don't know if they. I don't know if the Astros made the trade because of that. I mean, I, I know they had tried to make some trades at the end of July. Um, you know, they came very close on Zach Britton, which of course is not not a starting pitcher. And you know, as it turns out, uh, I mean, I mean, they could have used Zach Britton, but do they get Zach Britton? Does that mean they don't get Verlander? Because I think if they get Zach Britton, they probably don't win the World Series either, just because Verlander made such an impact as a starter. But mm -hmm. yeah, Keiko was speaking for pretty much everybody on that team, and it wasn't that they didn't have trust or belief in what they could do but they were looking around and man the Dodgers got Darvish and uh, a couple other guys and Yankees are improved everyone's improving who's going for the playoff spot except except us Where, where's our where's our big piece and I think it carried over into the month of August I mean they they had a losing record in the month of August they were 11-17 you know late in the month they had to deal with the hurricane it just seemed at the end of August that man this this team looked like uh, a dog with his head hung down. I mean, a lot had gone against them with, with no trade and not playing well, hurricane, moving games. They needed a pick-me-up. They needed a lift. And getting Justin Verlander, I think, really put wind in their sails. And uh, it, it just kind of made them sit up and say, hey, I mean, there's no, no more room for talk. We can do this. And then they, they, 
they also got healthy. I mean, they didn't have Carlos Correa in August. He got healthy, and he came back, and that changed the dynamic of the whole lineup. So everything really came together for them uh, in September, and that goes back to what I was saying earlier. It's really hard to win the World Series. You need a lot to go right. You need, you need to pull off trades at the last minute. You need to get healthy at the right time. You need guys to step up. You need to play well. Um, it all worked out for him. Yeah, I mean, it did. I mean, just go back to game two. If uh, Kenley Jansen doesn't throw a meatball to Marwin Gonzalez, maybe we're not having yep. this discussion, you know? It all comes yeah, down to one. Yeah, all the home one... runs they hit in the, in the postseason, yeah. they hit a ton. To yeah. me, that was the biggest. That He doesn't hit that home run. They probably lose. They're, they're mm-hmm. down 0-2. They don't win the World Series. I mean, that to me, that just changed the tone of everything in the World Series, that Marwin home run. Yeah, I, I think it really came down to that one pitch. For all the craziness and all the extra innings and the home runs, I, I really, truly believe that the World Series came down and turned on that pitch in Game 2 from Jansen yeah. to Gonzalez, and it just changed the entire tenor of that series and the Astros will come out on top. Uh, so, Brian, to come down the home stretch here, obviously Alex Cora, after uh, winning a world title, has moved on. He's the new skipper in Boston. And uh, Joe Espada uh, comes in from the Yankees to replace Cora as A.J. Hinch's right-hand man. What can you tell us about Joe Espada? Well, Joe, uh, Joe and A.J. were very close. They were both drafted um, by the, uh, the Oakland A's, um, I think within a round of each other, um, high in the draft, I think in 1996. Of course, AJ out out of Stanford, and, and they got to know each other. Played played, uh, you know, coming up in the minor leagues a little bit. But you know, I think in a lot of ways, cut from the same cloth is, is uh, Cora. Uh, they're both Puerto Rican. You know, that Astros have a, a very strong Puerto Rican core. You know, led by Correa, so that's very important. Um, somebody who's probably uh, analytical minded. I mean, Cora. One of the things that made him so attractive was he he had all this experience. You know, he was he ran Team Puerto Rico for the World Baseball Classic. He played. He was on TV dealt with the media but he also had a year under his belt on a team that was out in the forefront of analytics and um, so that really helped him and and I'm sure Espada embraces that and he's going to learn more of that as they go forward but you know certainly AJ had his guy in mind right from from the get-go and uh, it's the third bench coach he's had now in three years so I think he just you know he speaks to he's, he's doing some things right and it's uh, you know it's a, it's a destination people want to come and work for this staff and then be on this team and and uh, you can really set yourself up, I think, very nicely to be a major league manager at some point if you're the bench coach of the Astros at this point. Yeah, it works out great for Alex Cora. He's off to Boston, and maybe Joe Espada will be that, that hot name one year from now when uh, openings inevitably uh, come about. So, Brian, uh, to wrap up, I want you to be honest with me. When you you know introduce yourself to people, do you say, hi, I'm Brian McTaggart, uh, reporter for the Astros, or do you say, hi, I'm Brian McTaggart, reporter for the world champion Houston Astros? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> No, I, I just, uh, you know, I had that had that encounter yesterday. I was wearing an MLB.com jacket, and someone's like, oh, I said, no, I'm a beat reporter for the Astros. And, you know, the, the town is so nuts for the Astros now that four or five years ago, uh, it, it couldn't have mattered. I mean, people, you know, people didn't know anything about the team. Games weren't on TV. No one knew about any of the players. But now you mention Astros, and, you know, everyone's an Astros fan, and everyone's got orange, and there's flags on cars, and, it's cool. I mean, you know, this. You know, I grew up in Houston, so I, I followed the Astros for 40 years, and you know, they've been through a lot of playoff heartbreaks, and um, you know, having to switch leagues, and they've just, you know, they've they've been through a lot. It's been a long time coming for these fans, so it's fun to see them enjoy it. Yeah, it certainly is, and uh, they are reaping the rewards and the benefits of being on top of the baseball world here in 2017, no question. Our Brian McTaggart, great stuff. We appreciate the time, and we'll do it again next week. In the meantime, Matt Waymire signing off for MLB.com Extras, Houston Astros.
Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. 